A written transcript of this episode is provided by Starburst. For more information, you can see the show notes. Welcome to Data Mesh Radio with your host, Scott Hurlman, sponsored by Starburst. This is Adrian Estala, VP and Field CDO at Starburst and host of Data Mesh TV. Starburst is the leading contributor to Trino, the open source project, and the Data Mesh for Dummies book that I co-wrote with Colleen Tarto and Andy Mott. To claim your free book, head over to starburst.io. Data Mesh Radio is provided as a free community resource by Data Mesh Understanding. It is produced and hosted by me, Scott Hurlman. I started this podcast as a place for practitioners to get useful information about Data Mesh, and we're at over 200 episodes. I've now left Data Stacks, you know, thanks for all their help in founding things, but I've left to start Data Mesh Understanding, which is also helping practitioners to get to the information needed to do Data Mesh well. We have free implementer introduction and roundtable programs, in addition to the more advanced yet affordable offerings. So please do get in touch if you're looking for more information on how to do, how to approach Data Mesh. Just check datameshunderstanding.com for more info. There's also a helpful organization of past Data Mesh radio episodes there if you want to dig into specific topics rather than digging through 200 different episodes. So with that, let's hit the funky intro music and listen to what you'll hear about in this interview episode. It's about the value, not the data, effectively partnering with the business. Bottom line up front, what are you going to hear about and learn about in this episode? I interviewed Aaron Wilkerson, Senior Manager of Data Strategy and Governance at Carhartt. To be clear, he was only representing his own views on the episode. And I do apologize for the lawn work sounds around the middle of the episode. I did not know they were going to be coming at that point. Before we jump in, this episode contains a lot of really good framing on how data leaders can actually partner with business people to drive what matters for them. How do you extract what matters to the organization and to each specific business partner? And then how do you tie the data work to that? So while the episode is not heavy on data mesh specifics, it's really important to really considering the business partner's point of view and how to work with them to drive value for the organization. So here are some key takeaways or thoughts from Aaron's point of view. Number one, potentially controversial. Aaron and I also laid out a challenge for data leaders. Have a conversation this week with a stakeholder and never mention data. Never mention the word, never mention the concept. We get too wrapped up in the data instead of listening and understanding stakeholder business challenges. Number two, when thinking data strategy, you should first think business strategy. At the end of the day, it all comes down to how can data work or data support the business in its objectives, not about doing data work for the sake of data work. What are the key business goals and target outcomes? Number three, business people very rarely care of about the how of data, the sausage making. Don't try to communicate to them about the how. Focus on the what and the why. 
really drive towards what are they trying to accomplish and work backwards towards what data work can you do to support them in that. Number four, when working with business partners, yes, you can try to reach them to or teach them to be more data-driven, but most of the conversations should still be in the language of the business. Data work itself doesn't drive value. How it supports business partner value creation is crucial. Make sure you understand what matters and then communicate how you will help them. Number five, dig into what business people are measured on, their actual KPIs, to best figure out how to support them with data work. How others are measuring their success is a very important indicator to what that person is going to care about, right? Hey, my leaders are managing my or measuring my success on hitting these three metrics. Okay, let's find data work to hit those three metrics. Number six, potentially controversial one, data leaders really need to understand and take to heart that data just doesn't play that big a role in the day-to-day machinations for most business people. It can play a big role in supporting their work in their day-to-day work. It's just never going to be a top-of-mind focus for most. Number seven, also potentially controversial, coming to business people with the data first instead of starting from their business challenges and goals first. You are essentially asking them to do the work of figuring out if what you've brought them is something of value. Start from asking what they'd value and work towards creating that rather than finding interesting things and bringing it to them. I do think this is controversial. I'd love to hear how people are are approaching this and what really does work. Number eight, focus on the data work supporting your business partners where they're at, not where you wish they were, to move them forward. Speak with them and listen to their challenges. Then find ways to bring data in to support and improve their work streams. Number nine, when tying data work to the business strategy, while many people might have the same target outcomes, they all have different responsibilities. Really dig into what aspect the person you are working with needs to happen to best support them. I think this is a really important nuance to consider that while you might be talking with three different people in the same domain and they're all trying to go for the same general goals, They might be measured on something completely different and they have different responsibilities. So talk to them about their responsibilities, not just the objectives of the domain. Number 10, when talking to an exec, be concise. As Aaron said, here's the challenge we're facing. Here's the outcome we want to get to. And here's next steps. And then are you all aligned to us? Number 11, Try to focus your data work on taking away work from your stakeholders instead of adding more things to their plate. Again, this was kind of the thing of, do they have to have more work to assess whether what you brought them is of interest is of use? Number 12, just because data might drive incremental benefit, it might not be worth it. Think return on investment, not just return. Data people have to work with business people to ask the question of what would actually get that business person to act. A 10% improvement on one aspect of their work probably won't buy, you know, get that buy-in. Find what would get them excited to move forward and focus on supporting those initiatives with data work. Number 13, 
By starting from the problems people have, their pain points, your business partners will be bought in that any insights you find are likely valuable because it's around their pain points. Otherwise, if it is an incremental opportunity that they haven't considered, you need to read them in much more on the details of why the problem might even matter before even getting to the insight. That's, again, more work for them. Number 14, you will probably have to build a track record of quick wins before business partners look to rely on you for bigger and bigger projects. And that's okay. You can get to know their general problem areas well through those quick wins. Number 15, while data people often want to share everything they find, it can be a double-edged sword. Just letting people know about something can be okay. You know, planting seeds and things like that. Hey, we should come back on this later. But if you identify a new challenge or opportunity that isn't closely aligned with their current focus areas, you are asking them to do more work to identify if it should be a new focus. Think carefully about whether and how to bring those up. Number 16, to be able to partner well with people down the road, make sure you, as Aaron said, stabilize, build the trust, and get everyone kind of on the same page around what do we need to fix, you know, to do any leaks, to fix any leaks. Lay that groundwork and start to build off a good foundation before trying to do a large data project. Number 17, learn to say no and to prioritize. Don't stretch yourself too thin or you won't deliver as well as you could, and you will likely not build the trust necessary to really drive the value you want. Think about, hey, I can only do two to three things. You pick what the two to three things that I do, but instead of just trying to say yes and delivering mediocre quality results. Number 18, Communicating what you're doing, really marketing your work and your success stories is crucial in data leadership. If you are fo- if all you are focused on is doing the work, you won't build the momentum and have people coming to you to partner on work. People aren't just going to see, oh, you have done the work. You kind of have to sell it. Number 19, focus on learning the language of the business. Yes, it would be great if everyone were data fluent, but the main value drivers for most companies happen at the business level, in the business context. So a lot of times you have to go further towards them than they do towards you. Number 20, racy matrices are a very useful and important tool. Scott, note here, this comes up a lot. Get specific on responsibilities and ownership. Over-communicate on both aspects. Number 21, it's amazing how important making your business partners feel seen and heard is, not even really addressing or fixing their pain points. People are far more likely to work with people that take the time to understand them. Sounds simple, and it kind of is, but it's crucial to laying the groundwork for a good partnership. And number 22, finally, potentially controversial one, when focusing on being a data leader, when you aren't in a conversation with a fellow data person, you need to lean into talking in the language of the business. Too many data leaders are still entrenched in the ways of doing data instead of supporting the business via data work. Okay, enough of just me. Let's hear from our awesome guest in this interview episode.
Super excited for today's episode. I've got Aaron Wilkerson here, who is the Senior Manager of Data Strategy and Governance at Carhartt. But to be clear, he's only representing his own views, not that of the company. We're going to be talking about a bunch of different things. Um, We've got an actual challenge for folks out there about uh, talking to non-data people that I want to dig into because I find it's, it's kind of funny, but it's also like a poignant thing to really look at. And then how do we think about data strategy and linking this to business outcomes, right? Data isn't the point. I know for data people, it feels like data work is the point because that's the focus of, of your job. But for other people in the, in the lines of business, it's not really <laughs> the thing. And so we're going to talk about that, how to kind of be driving towards outcomes and how to talk about data as it's not the story itself. It's a storytelling mechanism. And, you know, it's it's not the heroine of the story. It's the sword that's whispering important information to her so that she can, you know, take on the evil of <laughs> the misinformed. I don't know where this method, metaphor is going to go. So uh, I'll, I'll just cut it off there. But before we jump into that, uh, Aaron, if you don't mind, if you could give people a bit of an introduction to yourself and then we can jump into the conversation at hand. Sure. And uh, thanks again, Scott, for having me. Looking forward to discussion. So I am Aaron Wilkerson, Senior Manager of Data Strategy and Governance at Carhartt. Um, been with the company a little over six months now, so still new to the company, new to the role. Um, so my background, I've been working in the data fields my entire career, so about 16 years so far. Um, so I come from kind of an engineering background, undergraduate, um, started to work in consulting, um, then started to get working in the data area. So I've done a lot of the different roles in data. So really start off like as a, on the reporting side. So building out um, infrastructure and building out application servers for reporting tools, um, then got into ETL. So did some uh, ETL development too, learn a lot about data warehousing, then got into architecture. So learned about ETL architecture, data warehouse architecture, um, then started to transi- transition into leadership. Um, so about you know nine years ago, started my first leadership role. So I've been in um, data leadership roles for the past nine years. So all different types of forms of data. So I've done business intelligence work, been doing uh, data warehouse work for a number of years. Um, but now I'm more so leaning into the strategy and governance side versus the you know engineering side of the data world. So happy to be here. Well, and and you know I know the the title of the podcast is data mesh radio and we're not going to be talking about like a bunch of data meshy type things this is for me i think these episodes are really helpful to kind of reframe how do we actually work with people right how do we what do we have to get right to do data mesh right and that can be any type of data work it doesn't have to only be data mesh stuff and so you know when we were talking in the pre-call i really liked your approach to talking to non-data people. And one thing you said was, you know, a lot of times I don't talk data at all. So like the challenge that you said that you've kind of laid out to some people or or that you've thought about laying out, I, I can't remember if it was exactly that you have told them, but like, can you have a stakeholder conversation in the next week without mentioning data at all? And it's not like, you know, the super troopers thing where you have to say meow like nine times in a conversation or anything like that. But like, how do we get past trying to communicate with people where data isn't their main focus, but that you make data a key enabler to them? So I'd love to hear kind of 
how you approach having those conversations and and what you've learned. Because a lot of people, especially coming from that engineering and that kind of deep in the weeds background, but now having been in the the more leadership side for almost a decade, you you probably had to make that switch. And we're always still learning. We're always still improving. But like, how do you make it so that you can communicate about what people are actually trying to achieve and then make data that kind of juice enabler, right? Rather than it's the point of the work. Yeah, I would say for me, it's kind of a, a recent change uh, for me, kind of like to, to, to go to your point. Uh, I would say probably more so in the past two to three years, I've been trying to kind of pivot my thinking because earlier in my career, it was all about, you know, data, right? So we're building reporting. So reporting was had data in it. We're building, you know, data warehouse tables or ETL pipelines or you know, data engineering pipelines that was moving data around. Um, so my frame of reference was always in just, you know, data, you know, showing people data, trying to explain to them about data. And I think, you know, did some great work there. But from a career perspective, a learning perspective, I kept getting hit with the, you know, in order for you to progress your career, you need to be more strategic, um, which, you know, a couple of years ago, I had no clue what that meant. So did a lot of you know, different digging just to figure out, you know, like, what does strategy mean? What does data strategy mean? And all signs pointed to business strategy. So really data strategy should be aligned to business strategy where data is enabler um, to achieve some type of business goal or outcome. So to do that, you know, you have to understand just what are those outcomes? So what does the business care about? So when you hear business strategy, you rarely see, you know, in the business strategy, someone talking about, you know, we want to build out a data warehouse. We want to build out, you know, ETL. We want to build out machine learning. Typically, it's, you know, we want to drive revenue. We want to reduce costs. We want to reduce risk. We want to, and we want to um, improve customer lifetime value. We want to improve our lead conversion. You know, they talk in you know, different terms that are not specifically of, you know, I created this transformation. I wrote the SQL query and I, I put some in charts and graphs together. Um, so my approach has really been just talking to the business about what's important to them. So you know, if you think about right now, you know, we're at the end of March. So if you're in a business that ends their fiscal year in June, you know, you're coming into quarter four. So you're talking about your forecast, which is your nine plus three. A lot of people are in budget season. So they're talking about, OK, what does um, how can they forecast out what the next fiscal year is going to be? So they're talking about the numbers for the next year. So it's really just talking about things in their language. So if you're talking about, OK, like what? What are the biggest challenges the business facing? So right now, I know revenue is a big challenge. So, you know, what does the business think their revenue is going to look like in the next, you know, three to five years? What do they think, you know, their customer, um, you know, in terms of marketing or ad spend? Like, do they think they can still convert customers? So it's really just trying to meet with someone, listening and understanding kind of how they talk and what they're concerned about, what keeps them up at night, what are, what are their incentives, like what drives their performance, um, so it's really talking in that language because trying to talk in terms of, OK, you know, we're going to write you a query or we're going to create a report for you or let's talk about, you know, data auditing or different data policies. It doesn't resonate with them because, you know, when they leave your meet, like when they leave the meeting with you, they're going back to talk about like their their day to day with their teams. And very rarely is it a huge and length kind of a data discussion. Um, so like to answer your question, original question, you, know, you and I talked about kind of that challenge. So I found that my role would kind of lean into more into governance that I'm talking about business processes, talking about go to market strategies. You know, there's all these different kind of more business facing processes, business outcomes 
um, versus more like tactical data things. So I think it's, it's, you know, really when you're in those meetings, like asking questions around that person's lens, that person's day to day, what's important to them and kind of how their performance is, is gauged. Cause rarely will you see it as such a hardcore kind of a data um, type of role that they have as well. I'd love to understand how you then tie that back to doing the data work, right? Because what becomes difficult then is if you aren't talking the data, then you're like, I get what you're trying to accomplish, but you know, it's kind of, I, I referenced the South South Park underpants gnomes where, you know, their, their business plan is step one, steal underpants, step two, question marks, step three profit. And so like, how, if you're not having that conversation, how do you then translate that into the data that they, that they need to actually work with? Is it, is it kind of, you do that iterative process of, Hey, I think I get what you're doing. I'm going to put something together. That's kind of a prototype for you and show that, or how, how are you working? Because I mean, you know, I'm a business person myself more than I am even a data person. And so I'm happy to talk business all day long, but connecting from that to the actual underlying work of what needs to get done to make sure they actually have the information they need. It seems like it's still just kind of this mysterious process of we hope for the best or we try to extract all the requirements and maybe we get it right, maybe we don't. But like, how are you finding to get there, right? And and how are you finding that partnership to get there where it's not all or nothing, right? Did we get it right or did we get it wrong? Yes. So I think it's, to your point, it's step one, step two, it's iterative, where as you're having the discussions, you're kind of essentially putting together kind of the problem statement. Because I've seen it before where when you come up with a data first approach, you just throw a bunch of data at and say, hey, here's a whole thing full of data, like what here is important to you? Or how can you use this? And the person's like, I don't know, because you're asking them to do more work. (laughs) Um, And I think they kind of lend to us as kind of those partners to say, okay, now that you understand my problem, how can we use data to help solve my problem? So I think you start with the business problems. You can frame it up and say, okay, here's your top three. Like here's the, here's the outcomes you're trying to get to. Here's the problems you face that are stopping you from getting to that outcome. And then here's potentially how we we can use data or how we can introduce data into your work streams to help you. So it's not, using data for the sake of using data, data to your other, I think original point, data is, is a mechanism, it's a sword, it's a tool to kind of help solve business problems. So like I even posted that today on LinkedIn talking about storytelling really, because storytelling is you have characters, you know who the protagonist is, that person has some type of a goal or they want something, but there's something that's standing in their way, so that's the problems. So when you're telling the story, once you understand the problems, then you can then introduce, okay, here's the journey you need to go on to solve that person's problem and complete the story. But I think we kind of start with the solution. We don't really start with like the problem statement. What do they want? So I think you do eventually get to the data, but it's kind of like the dessert where you have to kind of get through the first couple meal, like first parts of the meal before you can get to that dessert at the end versus starting with your dessert. Yeah, I had this challenge when I was working in financial planning and analysis at a startup because I kept thinking that the the execs wanted the views to be to give them the most information about the company and instead what they wanted was give us the ability to kind of put lipstick on this pig 
in the, the, the best way of how do we make this so that, that this looks the, the best to our investors rather than this gives an accurate and informative view of what we're trying to do. Cause I'm always trying to do that accurate and informative view. Cause I don't, you know, to me, it's like, well, somebody, if somebody can't see through this, then there's a problem. But if they can see through this and you tried to, to dress it up, it's going to be more of a problem. But I, I, I like that you're, you're talking about that. Okay they lean into the partnership once you reflect back what they're actually doing and you start to then you, you start to solution together instead of ta-da I've come to you with a bunch of data and you know it's kind of this data field of dreams type of thing of I have built it therefore value will come I have built it therefore the execs will lean in and they're like I don't know what this is I don't know how to leverage this I don't know how to use this so um, I really like that that aspect. Have you found there are any kind of crucial things to stay away from or crucial things that really help you to get further in that conversation faster? Or, you know, we talked a little bit about the sausage being made and Beth Bauer, when she was on, talked about, um, we, we started to, to use the analogy of people don't care how the sausage is made, but they sure care about the ingredients. Because if I'm allergic to something or, hey, I want a sweet sausage, I don't want a spicy sausage, and you're telling me that this thing is is nothing but California Reaper peppers, <laughs> like, it's going to be slightly yeah. different than my expectations. Yeah. I, I, part of that is really understanding your audience and realizing to the back to the point of what's important for them. Because talking with individual contributors versus like managers versus kind of business units, directors versus executive leaders, like they all have, like they want the same outcome, but they have different responsibilities of like how to achieve that. So I wrote this on LinkedIn, I think a couple weeks ago, where if you're talking to an executive, like you typically only have, you know, three slides, maybe um, you have to, you have to get the very clear points across around like, you know, I'm here to talk about this. I'm not going to go into details around like how to solve things. I'm just going to tell you that, Hey, Here's the challenge we're facing. Here's the outcome we want to get to. And here's next steps. And then are you all aligned to us? Yes. All right, let's get out of here. So like, you're not going to go into the detail around like, you know, this process, this process, like that's not what they, you know, what they want to hear. But if you're talking with the person who's, who's responsible for carrying that out, then yeah, you need to go into the, okay, here's the inputs, the process, here's your role into it. And here's what we want to get out of it. So you do need to understand like the intricate details of kind of how that person's involved. Or if you're talking to the leader, the leader wants to know, okay, like, you know, is this going to cause my team more work, less work? You know, how much work is this going to cause my team? So I think really understanding um, the person, your, your stakeholders and figuring out kind of what they need to get out of this. And I think typically you're trying to take work away from them. So if you, to your point, if you, if you end up giving people more work, um, they're not going to want your solution. I've seen that before where data people say, oh, it's easy. You just, give them a tool or, Hey, like ha- show them how to create a report or show them how to do this. And they can do it themselves is that's great. We are interested in that, do that, but they already have a job. You just gave them another job. So now they have one and a half jobs to do. Um, so it, it's really that just understanding your audience and trying to figure out what's important for them. How do you help them? And then how do you make their lives easier? Because you try to give them more work. They're going to nod in the meeting and say, Oh yeah, that sounds so easy, but they're not going to do it. Like once you walk away from them, they're just going to say, yeah, I, I'm not doing that. 
I ran out of time and there's just no benefit for them. So it's really no, no, no benefit. You're not really solving anything for them. Um, so I think it's really understanding for each person you talk to just kind of where they fit in the org and just what's important for them. And goes back to the incentives of like, you know, what are their incentives to do whatever you're suggesting or how to use data? And, and that's something that we're seeing a lot in data mesh is that you have to go in and reprioritize people's like actual priorities. You have to go in and say, okay, I'm going to make sure you have the time and space to leverage this data, to do this data work and leverage the data for yourself, because it does have this benefit if we actually do that. But otherwise, exactly what you're saying. And, and I think very, very clear communication around uh, one framework that Marissa Fish uh, kind of helped me to um, kind of create was, okay, what are the expectations between, am I giving you the data? Am I giving you the insight? Or am I giving you the insight and the so what? And literally the second you ask that question, most of the time, the data people are used to, oh, I should give you the data and you can explore this yourself. And the people are saying, especially when you're talking about execs, they're like, I want the so what? I yeah. don't even want the insight. I don't, I mean, I want you to, to share the insight and why that drives the so what. I want you to tell me what I should do rather than I have to make yet another decision. And so I think a lot of what you're talking about there is, if the cost benefit isn't there, we have to think about the cost, not only the benefit, because if that cost is too high, if that time cost is too high, it almost doesn't matter the benefit or you have to have such an insanely strong benefit that they would reprioritize their other things that are already creating benefits. And, you know, there's just 10x more friction, right? It's like, okay, yes, this thing, you know, okay, if I do this, it's going to mean that, you know, instead of of this thing that takes up 10% of my job, I'd replace it with this other thing. And it's going to give me a 10% lift on one of my key incentives. Eh, that's not worth it, right? Versus right. this is going to double my the thing that's most aligned to my incentives. Okay, that is worth it. And so like having that actual conversation and saying, what, what are you willing to do? Like, let's be honest. Let's be open and honest and say, like, what amount of work are you willing to do? And if the answer is nothing, then I'm going to push some information at you and potentially the, at least the insight, but probably even the so what, and then you're going to act or we're not going to do the work because otherwise it's just work for the sake of work. And that feels bad when you've discovered something of value, but, but yeah. at the same point, if they're not going to leverage it, it's not actually valuable it's just a value, but it's not valued. And it's not valuable because it doesn't actually result in anything. Yeah, and I would think, I guess, two points I would have there, because I agree with you that another point there is the benefit has to be substantial enough. Because if you're talking like incremental, like half percent, one percent benefit, like the time is going to take them to like change and change the process. Like it may be a small benefit, but it's not enough for them to go and change something. So that's another thing around like when you're when we're presenting these insights, it may be an interesting insight, but the business may be going after, I don't know, a 10% growth, maybe, maybe going after like a 10% growth opportunity. You're introducing like a one or 2% growth opportunity, which is cute, but like they're going after the bigger fish, the much bigger benefit than what you're offering. And the second part is kind of what, something I've been thinking about lately is just, I think that 
it goes into how we market what we do. Because I think that in the data world, we're not very good marketers. You know, we expect that people are just going to have the same excitement or aha moment as we have. But, you know, we talk about like, you know, what what assets, what data assets do we have? Is it high quality or not? How is this initiative going to benefit you? We just don't have just those skills to kind of show our work and say, hey, this is how what we what we what we're proposing is going to benefit you. Here's the advantages. Here's why you should do it. Here's the risks. So we think ahead of any questions. So that's the part I think we're lacking is, you know, it's the is the showing people how it's going to benefit them and making sure it's a large enough benefit for them to do it. Because, you know, sometimes I have when I'm at home, you know, uh, the cable guy knocks on my door and asks me if I want to switch cable. And it's like a two dollar benefit. It's like, yeah, it's an extra two bucks per month, but it's going to take me time to like have them come in, switch the cable box, call the current company, cancels like I, it's not worth two bucks a month. So it's a nice benefit. We're not going to do it. So it, it's things like that where I think we have some opportunities in the data space. How have you found that, like getting people to lean in, right? Is it, you, you talked a little bit about the, hey, I want to understand your strategic priorities, but are they, like when you're talking about that, okay, I found this thing that's 2% benefit, did they even ask you to go and and look in that space? Or are they saying, this is where we think the opportunity is? Or, you know, and, and how do you also think about um, the data doesn't always lead us in the right direction, right? The data is an indicator. It's not, you know, the answer. It doesn't have all of the answers. So, like, how do you also get people to trust but understand how far they can trust it and be like, this isn't, you know, this isn't written in stone. This isn't perfect. This is showing us where we could go. But like, are are people pretty aware of where they think gold might be mined and they'll, they'll point you in that direction? Or are they expecting you to come to them with potential gold? And then they say, yeah, pursue it or not. Like, how are you actually leading to those kind of genesis of, of additional value created through data? I would say usually when I work uh, with uh, coming at a couple different companies, so usually I have some type of an idea that someone's given me or there's like a list. So typically like there's usually like a pain points thing where these are the top challenges or pain points the business is facing. So we're trying to introduce data to help them out. So it could be reporting, it could be um, different, you know, predictive model. There's always these different opportunities, but typically someone's coming at me with like a problem, like, hey, I have this problem. Can you guys help me? I mean, you could kind of fish for things, but the challenge is you have to over, like, there's much more time because you have to kind of educate them on what you're, why, like what you're doing, why you did it, how they benefited. But if you start with like problems they already have, then it's easier for things to resonate because they know this is a problem for me and this person is trying to solve the problem. So in, in my experience, I, I typically attack it from a here's a problem you're having it's a large problem because you come to me for it um and i think once you kind of get that trust in there then you can find more things but once you have that track record of you know you've given me five problems i've solved each of them what are those like and then then say what are those other things that i can help you with and that i think that's where you come up with the bigger ones but i've you know normally seen you 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 kind of have a stakeholder that's come to you with problems or you have, you know, what I call the list, like those lists of projects that you're trying to tackle and you prioritize those based off, you know, resources and times and you kind of tackle those. And then you kind of build that credibility to then go after the bigger, because it kind of goes into the quote unquote quick wins where you want to get those quick wins in there just to show the capability, build trust, get more resources. 
and then you can go after the bigger fish. But if you try to attack it from the beginning with just like, hey, I have this great idea, this like you may not get by in because they just either don't know you, they don't know you well enough, they don't know if you actually can do it because you have you don't have a track record there. Um, so it's, it's possible. You're just going to put in a lot more work trying to convince them of it. Yeah, I think this is something that's been a big problem in the data mesh conversation. And, and Jamak and I actually have kind of differing views on this because um, where she's trying to, to come from, and, and I agree with it if it would work, but we're not seeing value of it working just yet because I think we don't know how to do it. And so, you know, we have to measure that cost benefit in the long run, but of creating things that could be used by people in the future when we don't know their use case. And like, this is, I think that thing of data people are inherently curious in most aspects, like most data people are inherently curious. So they want to find interesting things. They want to go and do this data spelunking instead of like, where are you telling me to to actually focus my effort, right? Like, where are you indicating I should focus my effort? And maybe we can do things. And, and you know, um, so uh, Joao Sosa was on and he was talking about that, um, you know, you need to create kind of an insight generation uh, capability, but that's not your first like your your first yeah. thing that you do, you build the base layer, you build your capabilities, you build your trust, you build all of these things because you need that before people will care if you come to them with insights, unless it's an earth shattering insight, right? Unless it's really, really incremental, then, then they'll care. But in most cases, it's kind of like what you said of, okay, great. Thanks for this. What am I supposed to do with this? Right. Like I call that kind of showing like you're giving people problems because when I talk about storytelling, typically that person has an obstacle and you're there to like move the boulder, remove the obstacle. But they are they're living just fine. You're showing up and telling them they have a problem. But then you have to like then you have to convince them that they have a problem and then you're going to remove the problem that they didn't know that they had. And they didn't even think that they had. So it's that right. It's showing up with an insight. They're like, I didn't really ask for this or I don't know what to do with this. It like. Good luck. Like you're, 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 um, it's a lot more effort on your side. Yeah. And, and I've, I, I mean, there are people that I work with, the, you know, all the different companies that I've worked with where I'm like, you have to understand what, when I send you something that says FYI means. And it is, I discovered something that's for your information. If this is a value, then let's talk about it. But if it's not, like I saw something, so I said something, but that's it. I'm not, I wasn't specifically looking for it. I didn't go and, and try and do this thing, but is this a value if it's not great, but if it is okay, let's talk about it. And it's not that all of a sudden, but then you can also get yourself in trouble where they go, okay, I want you to own this. And it's like, I don't know what this is about. I just saw this thing that's, that's different. So I wanted to let you know about it, but. <laughs> yeah. And part of that is, is planting seeds, right? I think it's fine to plant seeds and say, you know, you're just kind of giving people little tidbits of information and maybe months down the line, you'll bring up, Hey, remember that? Like we talked about this. Do you remember six months ago, we talked about this thing where I talked about this, then it's like that, but you're kind of laying the groundwork over a long period of time, but that's not your primary. It's more of like in the back of your mind, it's there. Uh, Cause the great point about the FYI is like, it's just that, Hey, this is your information. 
if you want to talk about this, we can, but I'm just letting you make you aware of it just so that it's out there. Um, but I'm not asking you to action on this or do anything with it, unless I would have told you explicitly and said, Hey, I need help with this, or I need something versus just like, you know, just it's a data point that you can take, um, take it what you will. Yeah. We, when I worked in, as a stock analyst, we always sent out these things called uh, tech tidbits. And it was like, there isn't anything specific to this, but this helps you complete your picture as to what's going on out there. And so if you want to talk about these things and what they might mean, sure, let's have a conversation, but none of them are strong enough signal indicators, but you yourself are bringing in your own indicators and you're talking to other people. And so this helps you to complete out your picture. So, you know, that aspect I think helped a lot of people, but um, exactly what you're talking about. Of It is somewhat of, if you brought it up, then do you have to be able to have a deeper conversation on it? And you, you almost have to build the relationship with someone to be like, I'm going to send you things that I just think you should know. And it, it's just that data point. It's just the fact that I think you should know it, but that you can't just start overwhelming people and just going, I found this thing. I found this thing. I talked with somebody who implemented some data observability, right? And they were like, this is great, except for the fact that now I get, you know, 5,000 alerts a day. None of them are prioritized. I don't know whether this is a T, you know, a, a P1 incident for many different reasons. I don't know if this is, this was simply an anomaly. How strong is the indicator? And I don't have any run books, so I don't know how to solve this. I don't know how to ad- address this. And I don't know how much value is associated to each of these things that are being alerted on, right? This one thing it's telling me it's, you know, it's way out of whack, but it's this thing that, that, only gets really compiled once a quarter and it gets looked at and it's not that valuable even when it gets compiled once a quarter, whatever, versus this thing that we're making our, our decision on, or this is the the dashboard that that the exec looks at every morning when they come in. Okay, that's higher, but there isn't that information built in. And so like that flow, you have to, I think you have to dig much more into again, like, I mean, are, are you finding, I guess the, the question that kind of comes to mind from that is, are you, are you mostly focusing on incremental work or are you focusing on shoring up what they're already doing or like, how, how are you helping people support their business process? Like, are you increasing yeah. the trust in what they already have? Are you incrementing on that? Or are you looking for for new things when you're working with them, like what have you found is the thing that gets them to lean in so they actually do trust you so that you can work with them further? Yeah, I would say in, in the governance, the governance lens, um, it's kind of a multi-pronged approach where you, it's kind of like you want to stabilize. So when you, when you've, you identify those big problems, it's good to talk about like this perfect, um, this perfect world but you kind of only have what you have. You, know, you only have a certain amount of resources, a certain amount of time. So you, you really want to initially just short up, stabilize it, get things like you find the things that are like on fire. You want, you want to bring in the hose and calm it down. So I would say stabilize, build the trust and get everyone kind of on the same page around, you know, what what we need to do to fix, you know, fix the leaks, um, you know, fix the glitch and close, close up the opening holes. And I think that kind of starts to build trust. Another big thing I think that's missing is is focus. Uh, I think a lot, like kind of what you're talking about, like you don't want to become the ideas girl, ideas guy that just every day is like, hey, here's another idea. 
here's another insight. Like eventually people are going to tone you out and be like, like, I'm sick of him sending me stuff. Like I have no idea what to do with this. And also you're kind of being presumptuous because you're giving them more work. Most likely they were already working on something. So um, you're throwing them more work that they weren't expecting. So I would say focus one thing of, you know, right now we're going to work on, we're going to fix current issues and then we're going to investigate new ways to solve for this. So, you know, with our resources and our time, we have the ability to do like two things. So our capacity is two. So number one is stabilize. Number two is we're going to talk about future state. We're not going to do number three because we don't have time for number three. So don't even bring it up. Or people can bring it up. But you can say, hey, that's not my focus right now. So I think the ability to say no is a powerful skill set. If you're a parent, you're probably used to saying no all the time. Um, but in a work setting, I think it's a very hard. I've had to learn to do that the past couple of years to kind of grow my leadership is learning how to say no and say, hey, that's a great opportunity. I'm sure there's benefit there, but we just don't have the time to work on that. We're working on two things. So we can only do two things. So if you want me to do this, that means I'm going to swap one thing out because we can only work on two things at a time. And number one is stabilize, you know, kind of control. And number two is like talk about growth opportunities, incremental growth and things like that. So I think it's really focus and like being disciplined about that focus to not let things kind of creep in like, you know, slowly. That's something that comes from a lot in data mesh on the, okay, we're asking domains to take on data ownership and a lot of additional data work. And people are like, yeah, we're just asking them to, to learn how to do this thing that is incredibly complex instead of yeah. we're changing their prioritization. We're going in and saying, here are your KPIs, here are your OKRs, here are the things. And we're going to shift those and we're going to take things off of your plate to put this incremental thing on your plate because this is why we think it has value. But that it's it's something that I just, I'm so confused by people not understanding that, you know, I mean, I, I hate to think of everybody as being ultra selfish and ultra, you know, only self-focused, but at the same point, if your job is contingent on X happening, that's going to be your focus, right? And so if somebody comes in and says, well, you do this favor for me in why it's, it's just not, not a thing. So, but I, I would love to kind of circle back to a couple of things that, that you were talking about is like, you know, the three useful things that you said to keep in mind, which was, um, what do they actually need? They don't need the data. They need to do something. Why should they care? What will they get from this? So I think these are really crucial when we think about communication like maybe if you can help people to actually frame some of the data work like i don't know if you want to give not a, not a, an exact example or anything like that but a bit of an abstracted example of here is what we did but here's how i communicated it because i think that bridging that communication gap it's not just extracting from them it's again taking and going instead of this is how i made the sausage it's like Hey, we made these sausage and here are the sales and here's why yeah. people love them and here's what the the feedback is and you know that aspect. So I'd love to to kind of how are you framing this work that you're doing when you're talking to these other people? Yeah, and I would say I would say that it, it's a big challenge um just because especially if you're new in a role like or you don't have an optimal team, there's only so many hours in the day, you have only have so many resources. So I would say that it kind of needs to be kind of your, your like sole focus is like more of the like communicating 
marketing what you're doing, making sure you have stakeholders involved. So that's something I'm working on kind of right now, just building out my, my current team to help with that. Um, because is and I think a lot of people kind of fall in this pit hole of like you're the doer, plus you're also like the like the leader and the senior leader. But like if you need someone, you need someone to actually be working on the tactical. And your role as like more of the senior leader is to focus on like networking, stakeholder engagement and communication. Because I found that even governance where you may want to go and solve the problems, but you also need to educate people because that's one of the challenges I see with like kind of governance councils is you have all these people who want to get involved, but they're not in this every day. So they don't understand. So part of your job is really to kind of educate people and show them and say, hey, here are the top challenges we have. Here's what's causing them. Here's what we're doing to solve them. And then eventually they are informed enough to help you make decisions and help you be strategic. But in the beginning, it's hard to ask them to be decision makers when they don't fully understand the problems. They don't understand like the people involved. So I found that where like I'm really kind of working on also just building out my team so that I can kind of delegate more of the tactical things to the team so that I have the ability to more so communicate and like work on roadmaps and things like that. So I think that's the challenge is you have to have that as like your primary focus of your role is to be that you know leader communicator coming up with roadmaps versus like in the weeds, like scheduling meetings, sitting a meeting. Like it's just very difficult to do both of those. So I think you kind of have to split it off as like, you know, you have to have dedicated time, um, dedicated time to your stakeholders and say that, you know, part of your job is to do that is communi- constant communication on different cadences. And I do a little bit of that, but it's challenging because I'm still, my current role is kind of you know, building the team out. So it's kind of a, once I can peel off some of the more of that to the team, then I have more time to actually think about, okay, who, who needs to know what this week? What do they need to know about what we're working on to kind of help them in their role and, and things like that? Yeah. Uh, when uh, Radha Rishani was on, she was talking about, you know, she's when there's like a really, really high stakes data project that they're working on, you know, delivering a data product or anything like that, that there is you know, lots and lots of meetings and you can start to see when people pull away, you know, and, and that you're like, okay, is this person disengaging? Like why, you know, is this, cause this isn't as valuable and we should shut down the work or anything like that. But also that the stakeholders are the ones that are choosing the prioritizations and that, that, so, Hey, this thing's timeline is slipping. Well, yes, because you changed from this to this and you said that this is the, now the priority. So, we had to make these shifts and that mean that meant this and that it's not a negative. It's not a, you know, we're, we're fighting about it kind of thing. It's, it's that there's that high level of communication, but you know, before you can get there, I think when you're talking about getting people up to, to kind of data capable, capable of actually helping you make these decisions, have you found like, we talk about data literacy, we talk about data fluency, we talk about everybody should be data driven and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, that puts too much emphasis on if, as if the data is making the decision instead of their business knowledge is augmented positively by additional information. And so like, are you finding people are kind of pushing back on that concept of being data driven? Or are you finding that like, how are you getting people up to speed and up to that capability? Is it just constant communication? Are you putting them through classes? Like anything that, that you think would be helpful? Because I know a lot of people are really frustrated by their business partners simply because they're data people. And they're like, how do you not get this data stuff? And then the business people are like, I'm, 
I'm a business person. How do you not get the business stuff? Like this is what actually drives the, the, the value at the end of the day. Yeah. And I think there's, there's a couple of podcasts lately been talking about that. It's like, you have a, you have a, a team of like 10 data people trying to teach thousands of people how to be data literate, or how do you teach like those 10 people more about the business and the data team? So it's like, we have it kind of backwards. We're expecting like these small teams to do like all these hours trying to teach thousands and thousands of people about data. It's like, well, if we just learn and communicate with them about business process, I think it'll get a, a better way. Cause I think a lot of times it's the, it's the business process. Like a, it's a people process part of it, not necessarily the data and technology. So part of the communication is trying to speak in them in their language. Typically they're following some type of process where their structure, where they follow a process or they have certain stage gates, they have certain meetings. So I think it's really trying to introduce yourself into their workflows and communicate in their language and say, hey, you know, the, the challenges we have are because this business process is not optimal or this thing that you're doing is not optimal. So I think it stands your question more about the first step is just to learn, right? To learn their their role, learn their workflows, learn their systems they're using and kind of how to interact with those. And then it's speaking their language because to your earlier point of, you know, they're probably like, why don't you understand? You know, if we're like, why don't they understand? It's because you just spent one hour with them. They live this stuff day in and day out. So like <laughs> you might want to speak in their language because they do this every single day in this part of their job. And this data, quote unquote, thing that you're talking about, they look at it maybe once a week or a half hour if they really, if they're curious about it. So I think it's really we have to not be. And I, I also said this LinkedIn while like data, data people leaders are arrogant. So I think it's kind of like letting go of the arrogance of like, this is the most important thing for everyone about the understanding versus being more humble and saying, hey, I need to speak in their language and speak in their language more often so that I know how to communicate with them, um, kind of being bilingual versus kind of only speaking in data. So I think it's just finding the common levels that you can speak with and just frequency. It's just maybe it's once a week sessions, biweekly, because we try to do it once a month. I found that you spend the, like half the meeting just trying to reorient everyone because they have, if they only talk about this once a month, they're going to forget everything from last meeting. So you spend the, the first half hour just talking about what you just talked about a month ago. So I think it's that is frequency and just kind of giving them pieces along the way. So you don't have to, have to rehash everything all over again, which is, I see a lot. Yeah. I'm, I'm always, I, I also kind of pushing back on that almost is where do you draw that line of do they never have to learn anything about data, right? Where they they go, okay, you're just going to tell me everything I need to know because you're the data person. And instead of, okay, I'm going to get up to a level where I'm more dangerous with this stuff, that I'm more um, focused on the stuff that matters. And like, how do we, how are you balancing that? Yeah, I, I think it goes back. And I think um, I usually work on like those racy matrices. I find that those are helpful just to I think sometimes we have gray area where it's not clear who does what, who's responsible for what. So I would say putting together those kind of really shows who's responsible. So to your point, it, you, you can you can easily kind of be this order taker where it's like, hey, I need to know this. Can you guys, you know, can you spin up like this answer for me? It's like, well, I can help you, but really you need like a person on your team. Cause sometimes I mean, the answer may be that we have a gap where I'm doing this stuff for you, but like, that's not my role. You need like a person on your team who maybe does this more versus what I'm doing. So I think part of that is, is like having some artifacts that show that, Hey, this is what 
you know, I'm doing, this is what you're doing. And it's, you know, I'm doing a lot more to lean on your side. And, you know, yeah, I think you don't want to be taken advantage of where they're just kind of leaning on you for some things. You have to kind of bend a little bit more, but I would say kind of you know, putting together race C matrices, I think are helpful to kind of like show people and say, this is what I'm responsible for. This is what you're responsible for. And here's kind of those gaps in communication. And, and this is the cause of that, because there's not clarity on that. Or maybe I'm supposed to understand more about your role and that's not clear to me. Um, not, not sure the answers. <laughs> no, I do, well, I think what you're talking about there as well as the making the implicit explicit and just being like, Hey, I think we're on the same page. Let's make sure. Oh no, yeah. we're not. We're not at all on the same page. Okay. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about why. And then um, it's, it's funny how often on this podcast, when people are, especially, you know, people that are, are leading different aspects of things, talk about that kind of miscommunication and how much it really does come up. And that so much of what people are trying to do in data is reduce toil and automate away toil, but they kind of view the one-on-one conversations as toil. And it's like, no, that's, that's where really a lot of the value is driven. And that... Yeah. Um, Andrew Pease made uh, a, a good point on his of both teams need to look to go more than halfway because you both misjudge the the length of the bridge. So if you both go 60% of the way and you make sure that you've gone over halfway, that you actually make sure, you know, I mean, it's metaphorical and all that stuff, but that you both make sure that you've gotten more coverage, right? Instead of, yeah. okay, the, the thing was actually 20% longer than we thought. So we went 50% of the way, but it was really only 40%. The other team went 40%. If you go, you know, 60 and 60, then all of a sudden it's like, okay, you both went 48%. So there's this little bit in the middle that didn't get covered, but it's not 20% of the freaking thing isn't. Yeah. And there was this clear mis- miscommunication. So, um, but I, I'd love to, to, I mean, without getting overly specific, but do you have examples of, kind of those aha moments because a lot of people out there are trying to figure out where do I recognize that, that people are, we're talking past each other or where do I get that person to go from leaning out to leaning in? Like, do you have anything that you've seen where, where it's not like, Hey, here is, here's Aaron's rubric to be perfect at (laughs) getting people to lean in on data versus like, Hey, you know, I, I saw these like five different ways that it has worked and, you know, kind of go from there. Yeah, I would say so in a previous company, I was, um, you know, about what, five or six years ago when Power BI was kind of early stages. I was part of the team that really kind of brought Power BI to an enterprise level where we there was a lot of manual stuff that people were mainly putting together spreadsheets. They were copy, they were taking data from spreadsheets, took them three days to bring it together they were thrown on SharePoint, put it in a PowerPoint deck. It was just, it was, it was archaic. Um, so I think identifying that as a problem is, hey guys, right now it takes you all, you know, three days to prepare all this information. You know, we can have a meeting. I can show you and say, hey, I, we can go from three days down to, you know, like a couple hours for us to do all that work for you and have it ready to go in a meeting. So I think is that type of thing that kind of goes back to the problem saying around, like, if you understand their problems, understand their processes and show them that there's a better way to do it. Either you can automate it, you can provide you can provide new information, 
Um, I think that's kind of to your point, kind of goals. Cause I'm going, I'm going half the way to kind of show you and kind of automate the stuff for you. You're showing up to kind of give me, you know, feedback and kind of meet me. So it's not like a, Hey, you go do that thing and let me know when it's done. Like it's kind of that thing where you're working together, but it kind of goes to the benefit of like, if you're trying to give them problems or give them solutions to things they don't care about, yeah, then I think you're going to be going a lot farther to bring them over versus like, here's an actual problem you're having. Here's a huge benefit for you and the company because we're helping each other out. So I think, I think it's that it's going back to the like understanding their, their challenges and what they're trying to get to and trying to work with them because you're more, you're more likely to work with folks who you feel understand you versus people who are talking about something you don't even, you don't at all care about. So I think it's that kind of meeting each other. Like to your point, you're going over on both sides because you're, you're understanding each other. You're trying to kind of work on solutions or work on, um, you know, problems that, that each of you understand are, and I think are beneficial. Um, so that's some stuff I've seen before is kind of those, bigger challenges around just that's that's more of a kind of data reporting automation type of a thing but that's a big one we spent about a year on that but it was a huge benefit we just kind of saved just tons of hours around the company and just like there's all kind of just benefits all across the board and it was a full-on everyone got involved like i didn't have to drag people they wanted to be involved because they saw the benefit and there was like an immediate um reward that they saw there yeah it's it's for some reason, what came to mind was uh, Parks and Rec. And, um, you know, I don't know if you ever watched Parks and Rec, but like in season two, these this couple is dating and this guy gets um, his, his girlfriend a, you know, a nice computer bag. And, you know, one of the guys is like, what? Nobody wants that. You why would you do that? And she's so excited because he listened. He was like, oh, you've been struggling with this one. And she was like, oh, this is such a great gift because this was exactly what I wanted. This was right. something. Yeah, you feel listened to, like, to your point there, like, if you show someone, like, if you show someone that you're listening and they're being listened to, I think it goes back to the trust, relationship building, like, that's the key there is that I'm talking, but someone's actually listening to me and <laughs> understands. It's funny as, as a podcast host, like, I mean, you're, you're kind of even doing this with, Hey, you made this point earlier in the conversation. And like, that's part of my job is to, is to listen, but also show that like, this is a greater conversation and that it's, it's, it's building to something because otherwise it's just asking random questions instead of like, what what is the narrative that's coming through this right yeah. like what a, a lot of what you're like if if i were to say what's the narrative of this episode a lot of it is just like lean into having the conversation lean into exchanging the context lean into partnering with people and seeing where it goes but like don't lean into i'm going to do work that's going to um that's going to significantly benefit you in X, Y, or Z way, or I'm going to do this thing and it's going to be, you know, I'm going to knock it out of the park versus like, what do you actually need? You know, I, I have this myself with gifts where nobody really knows what I would want or, or need. Cause you know, I can buy the stuff that I need for myself. Yeah. That's only my wife. Like, that's my wife tells me. <laughs> I, I just tell people, okay, if you're going to get me something, these are the three things that I want. And they're like, well, yeah. that's no fun. And I'm like, well, otherwise you're just going to get me something I don't really want. And that's okay if you want to do that. But then the gift is you 
for you giving, not for me receiving. And right. Yeah, that is 100 percent the wife. My conversation with my wife, she's like, "You're you are the hardest person to buy for because if you want it, you can just buy." It's like, yeah, but I guess if you know, you, if you were paying attention, maybe you would have caught something. I was like, I don't know. I, I acknowledge, um, but I agree. Like, I, I think it's a lot of this is just kind of leaning in and having conversations, and that's to me. It goes back to early in my career when someone's like, you need to be more strategic. Like that's strategy, right? It's we've made it way more complicated, but it's really just kind of sitting with people, listening, understanding what's important to them, the challenges they have, and saying, okay, here's your opportunities. We're gonna go this route versus this route. Like that's strategy in a nut in a in a nutshell. We made it way too complicated, especially in the data area. Like we I think we have no clue what strategy is or data strategy, but it's that, right? It's just having conversation with the business. Leaning in, like, you know, meeting them 60% um, and just speaking to them in a language that they understand and know and then showing how you can help them out versus, like, showing up with all these different data fabric, data mesh, lake house, warehouse, data lake. They're like, they don't they don't care. They just they just want they want you know revenue go up. They want to know their customers are coming back. Like, talk like talk about the stuff that they care about, not about all these like nascent, you know, different concepts that they don't care about. That's, I mean, a lot of people always expect me to one sell that they should do data mesh and two that I'm all about data mesh. And I'm like, no, I have, I have a thing called my unicorn of arts theory. That's if you're talking to somebody that's not a data mesh person and you're going to say data mesh, especially in writing, replace it with unicorn farts. And they're like, but, but I wouldn't say that that would make me look silly. And it's like, Saying data mesh kind of makes you look silly. Like there are some organizations that can lean into it and be like, okay, we are really leaning into becoming a data-driven organization, but most people don't care. Data isn't the fabric of their job. It isn't the most important aspect of their job. If you can make their job more effective, easier, you know, if you make those things of actually solving, like you keep talking about solving their challenges, their problems, what do they actually care about? That's what matters. And so like making this something that, you know, especially with data mesh, you think about it's about making it so that people can more easily, quickly, and reliably make smaller decisions so that they can iterate towards better, quicker, faster, you know, in in a lot of different ways. And that you can change at the speed of business instead of waiting for these big centralized things. But one, that's not necessary for a lot of organizations. And two, they don't care that it's that it's necessarily this is the way that we're approaching the data. They care about what can I do with it? Because yeah. what am I trying to do on a day-to-day basis? And that's where I, I just get so lost in where people get so focused on the data work as if it is the thing of value instead of it is a value driver. Yeah. It's, (laughs) yeah, it's kind of how you get to, to shelfware, right? It's, we went out, we bought some shiny tools because someone went to a conference and said, we need this, you know, everything was great. Like capital was, was cheap. So we got capital to work on it. IT and data team when we built something, the business wasn't part of it. We showed up and said, Hey, we got this new thing for you guys to use. They said they're so excited and they disappear. You ask them about adoption, like, oh, yeah, we haven't touched that yet or we haven't looked at that yet. And it just completely sits on the shelf and just kind of rots away until you until you turn it off. Um, but it's that, right? It, it's the it's the backwards lens of like just showing up with a solution for a problem that no one talked about. Because like I said, I mean, data mesh, 
definitely as I'm learning about it, it makes sense in a lot of different use cases. But to your point, it has to be a use case that people understand what to do with it, or else you're just trying to you're trying to tell them to, to how to use it, but they don't really connect it. And once they don't connect it, then they're not going to do it. Like that's why I tell people all the time, like we need to not you know, we need to not do this because no one's going to use it. Like who's going to use this? Okay. After they build this out, who's going to use this? Well, maybe this person. Like, so you tell me you're going to spend all this money just for that one person can benefit from, from it? Like, it doesn't make sense at all. And maybe. You said maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, once every Friday, he may look at it or she may look at it once a Friday for like 15 minutes and say, oh, that's nice. And they move away from us. Like, that's we just did a lot of work um, for that one person to maybe use it once a week for like 15 minutes. Yeah. I, I totally, it's, it's all about why are we doing this thing? So, well, Aaron, we've talked about a whole heck of a lot of different things. Is there anything we didn't cover that you'd like to, or any kind of way you'd want to wrap up the episode, any button you want to put on things? Um, a lot of it's that I, I think we have interesting time in the, in the data world where, you know, data leaders, I think that there's not a lot of kind of data leaders just because we haven't done a great job of kind of building up leaders and giving them opportunities outside of just pure like engineering. So I think this, the stuff we're talking about, I think is really an opportunity for like data leadership. So emerging data leaders, established data leaders to kind of find their place because I find it in a lot of settings where the business just wants someone to lead them, like they're willing to participate, but they're looking for like that person to kind of lead them. So I think, you know, with stuff we're talking about, it's a huge opportunity for data leaders to kind of emerge and to find their and find their footings within these businesses because the businesses want all this stuff. They just need someone to show them the way and take them on the journey. Yeah, to just add the value instead of focus on the work, right? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people that would love to follow up with you. Um, where's kind of the best place? Anything specific you want to follow up on? I mean, I would I'd just recommend everybody just kind of follow you on LinkedIn because I, I really like a lot of your posts. But anything specific there? Yeah, I would say LinkedIn. Um, I kind of have a kind of a 2023 challenge where I'm uh, posting every single day. So, so far I've been going, I think, close to 90 days strong on LinkedIn. So, yes, yeah, so I'm posting every single day. So, a lot of stuff we're talking about, um, I usually post about this um, kind of day to day or week to week. So, that's how you can find me. Okay. And we'll drop a link to that in the show notes as per usual. Again, Aaron, thank you so much for spending the time here today. And as well, thank you everyone out there for listening. All right. Thanks, Scott, for having me. I'd again like to thank my guest today, Aaron Wilkerson, Senior Manager of Data Strategy and Governance at Carhartt. You can find a link to his LinkedIn in the show notes as per usual. Thank you. Hopefully that interview episode was really useful for you. Please do consider getting in touch with guests from the show, from these episodes. Most have said they'd really love people to reach out to them. And please, as well, if you've got a minute, rate and review the podcast somewhere. It really is honestly super helpful for other people looking into kind of data podcasts to kind of get this in front of them. Data Mesh Radio is again provided as a free community resource by Data Mesh Understanding. It's produced and hosted by me, Scott Herleman. In April of 2023, I left Data Stacks, who were wonderful in getting the Data Mesh community stuff started. So give them a shout for streaming and real-time AI needs. But I left to start my own industry analyst kind of information as a service firm. Our offerings are affordable and you can do them on a one-off or a month-to-month basis. You know, read kind of, throw it on the credit card. Don't worry about like going through purchasing and things like that. The services include lots of practitioner roundtables, you know, one-on-one data mesh kind of planning or feedback sessions and tailored introductions to other data mesh practitioners 
that are focused around your topics of interest. You know, what, what are you actually running into challenges with? We also have some free programs around introductions and roundtables that people can kind of check out as well. Check the show notes or just go to datameshunderstanding.com for more info or helpful resources. As always, if you have suggestions for guests or topics, please do get in touch as well and have a wonderful rest of your day. Now let's hear that funky outro music. Thank you.